0: Join the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live Cybersecurity on June 6, 2024 in New York City to be at the forefront of shaping the future of cybersecurity and creating a more secure digital landscape. Use the discount code Podcast to receive two hundred dollars off your registration fee. Visit WSJ.com/slash TechCyberpodcast to learn more.
1: Hey, Janet Babin here with the future of everything from the Wall Street Journal. You know, for the past year, our lives have been turned upside down by the pandemic, but life in the U.S. now is starting to get back to normal. And we've been asking ourselves, what parts of our pandemic lives will fade away? And what changes have we made that might stick around? And these are some of the big themes and questions we'll be asking next week during our Future of Everything Festival. Dozens of fascinating speakers from a myriad of disciplines are gonna be offering up their thoughts, as well as some new ideas and concepts to look out for on the horizon. So today, we have something special for you, a preview, if you will, with one of next week's speakers. Grammy Award-nominated record producer, Oak Felder. If you haven't heard of Felder, you probably know the music he's helped to make and the musicians he's worked with, like Rihanna.
2: I've also worked with uh, John Legend. Alicia Keys. Uh, I've been lucky enough to work with Alessia Cara. Demi Lovato. I've been lucky enough to work with Wiz Khalifa. I've been lucky enough to work with Britney Spears.
1: Part of the reason we were interested in talking with Felder is because as a music producer, he's always thinking about what's on the horizon.
2: The goal of a producer, and really any creative, as it should be in my opinion, but the goal of any producer is to not make something that sounds like today, but to make something that sounds like six months from now.
1: So how does he do that? Felder has studied and uses artificial intelligence in his process.
2: I do believe that AI is going to help shape music in the future, because I think the more tools we have, the more creative we tend to be.
1: Today on the podcast, we talk with Oak Felder about how the pandemic changed and even enhanced his creative process and what's to come.
0: Life changed for nearly
1: all of us in 2020. But for creatives like musicians, it's been especially hard. Most tours and performances were canceled. Studio sessions came to a halt. And people who rely on collaborations with others to think creatively, well, they had to find new ways to work. And that's been the story for Oakfelder.
2: A record producer's official job is basically to supervise the creation of a song from its initial conception to its final mix. And so that includes, uh, especially for modern producers, sort of inspiring people in the room with the music itself. Uh, one of our responsibilities is to actually create the music, like to actually, you know, physically play the keys and select the bass instruments and play that and select drums and play that and all that other stuff. And and a lot of times, uh, the, the example I like to use is, you know, if the recording studio were a nightclub, the producer essentially is the DJ. Like our job is to start the vibe in the room, get everybody excited, get everybody inspired, get everybody writing and then once that process is started and you have that inertia, then to supervise the process and just to make sure that everything runs smoothly. And then record. I mean, there's a, there's a thousand things we do in the studio. But yeah, sparking the inspiration is definitely one of the most important ones. Which is why prior to most sessions and prior to most, like, creative moments, an artist will walk through the door. It's actually funny. One of my managers was getting on me because he had come to watch one of the sessions. And, um... The artist came through the door and, you know, sat down. me, the artist, the songwriters. And, you know, we sit down and we're sitting there just talking. And about an hour goes by and we're still just talking. And we're talking by any number of things. Oh, you know, I just moved out of my house or, you know, whatever. I just bought a new car. Just all these things that you would think have nothing to do with what we're supposed to be there doing that day. And so eventually my manager pulled me to the side and, you know, super efficiency minded. He's thinking, well, you know, hey, man, don't you think we should probably get to work? And I looked at him and I said, we are working. This is part of the process. Because all of the information that I get during that hang is what allows me to be inspired by whatever ideas. Or rather to to use what we get from that conversation as inspiration for whatever ideas we put out.
1: I mean, it sounds like being in person, talking with someone really is a sort of a guiding factor. How did music creation and production change for you uh, during the pandemic year?
2: Well, um, it changed for me in a few ways. Obviously, from a technological standpoint, doing remote sessions, which is something that I, up until that point, had only done one time in my career. I found myself being more open to doing projects that I normally wouldn't consider otherwise. Things that didn't necessarily, for instance, require as much travel. And I'll give you an example. I was in Atlanta dealing with a family issue. And I got a phone call while I was there. And it was Lee Daniels. And he asked me if I would be open to doing some original songs for a movie he had coming up. Uh, the uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday, which was on Hulu. And... My initial thought was, well, man, I'm in Atlanta. You know, I can't really get back to L.A. right now. And plus, you know, some of the guys I would want to do this are actually in other parts of the world. And he was like, all right, we'll see if we can work it out. So then I told my management about it and they were like, well, let's set it up. So then they set up a Zoom call between me, uh, Jamie Hartman and Sebastian Cole. And both of these gentlemen are two of my frequent collaborators. And I kind of gave them the rundown on what it was. And we were able to jump on Zoom and, and write two beautiful songs. And it didn't take that long. It was kind of like a conversation that turned into a songwriting session. And we ended up doing two beautiful original works for the United States versus Billy Holiday. And to this day, even though it didn't come out that long ago, at this point, it's probably two of my favorite songs that I've ever done.
1: I don't have much to
2: give While we were on that call, Jamie was <laughs> Jamie was sitting in his car. <laughs> We're just literally just having a conversation about the song. And there's a moment in the film where, where one of the characters is talking about Billie Holiday to this policeman who's trying to arrest her. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says something to the effect of, you don't like her and you're trying to destroy her because she's strong, she's beautiful, and she's black. And so that phrase really jumped out at me. And I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool to sort of incorporate that into a song? And <laughs> Jamie <laughs> Jamie is in the driver's seat He's not driving, thankfully He's sitting in a parking lot But he's in the driver's seat And then he reaches back And he pulls a guitar out of
1: nowhere
2: Right? Wow And we're like What the hell, man? Do you just drive around with a guitar in your back seat? Yeah, like, what's sense. going on? And so he pulls it out yeah, And he starts strumming these chords dance, To The Devil and I dance. The Devil and I got up to dance A slow dance The Devil and I got
1: up to dance A slow dance <laughs> She held my waist
2: and took my hand and swung me around into a trance. And he starts singing like that, that stanza, the chorus stanza. It's like this is something I kind of had floating in my head. And then he was like, We should incorporate the strong and beautiful and black. She said there's to be no turning back. Strong, I'm beautiful and black. Devil and Double I got nine. up to dance Caught a slow dance. Slow and right then, as he was strumming chords, I'll I happened to just learn. be sitting in front of my piano because I was zooming with them from like a little portable set that I had. And so I started playing the chords and working out, basically, doing the same thing that we do in a room together. And thankfully, both of these gentlemen are fantastic songwriters. I mean, they're so quick, and they're so intuitive, and it's like it just kind of flies out of them. So I'd say after about an hour, we probably had like a full— not even that long, like 30 minutes. We probably had like a full vibe of what it was. And then Jamie was good enough to use his uh, his memo feature on his phone and strummed it out and sang the whole thing and sent it to me. I I did the track around it, sent it to Sebastian, who was here in Los Angeles, but then went to a studio and recorded it, sent it back to me. Oh, there's no way in the world to save you now. And then I sent it to Lee, who said, oh my God, this is amazing. Kiss, kiss the sweetest poison that I found. And before I let you go, I'll take you down. take you down down. It's like, so much of the technology that was involved I think has really come a long way during the pandemic and is not necessarily something that we would have been able to do prior to. Like, I think Zoom was not necessarily as efficient as it is now. And some of the file sharing Options that we had, you know, sending files back and forth and stuff like was a lot easier now too as a result of the pandemic and people making changes to to compensate for it. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun, man. We had a good time doing that.
0: Join the Wall Street Journal in New York City on June 6, 2024 for the inaugural Tech Live Cybersecurity. To network and hear from leading cybersecurity experts across a variety of sectors on how to combat cybersecurity threats, mitigate crippling attacks, and safeguard privacy on the individual and organizational level, use the discount code PODCAST to receive $200 off your registration fee. Visit wsj.com slash techcyberpodcast to learn more.
1: I'm just wondering if any of the processes you're describing, do you think will stick around even after the pandemic? I mean, maybe this willingness you have to sort of work in this way has stuck with you and could change the way you work and the way other producers work?
2: God, you know what? I hope so. I really do. I think prior to that, if I had been in a session and FaceTimed another producer, it would have been a little weird. Like, I think people would have kind of looked at me sideways. Today, it's perfectly fine because everybody's been so used to doing Zoom sessions. And the art of storytelling is, to me, an example of what happens when you utilize that technology for that purpose.
1: We know you have a background in tech and AI, and you're talking our language there. We wanted to know if that background informs your work at all and what direction you see AI going or how it works with music and producing, if at all.
2: The thing about AI is that anybody who's ever worked in any type of AI application can tell you from a technological standpoint that it is about the art of predicting. And so, you know, you give it input and the whole point behind AI is that it's supposed to be making decisions Not necessarily based on any type of algorithmic information, but it's actually supposed to be making choices based on what the best choice is. In the same way that a human being would, right? So it's like, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but a lot of software programming tends to be, well, if then. So if this is the case, then this should be the case. And AI sort of subverts that and says, if this, then possibly that or that. Let's make a choice. What's the best choice? Let's look at this data. Okay, so basically to process it in the same way that a human being does. When you're working in that field, you're constantly thinking about the pattern of change and the pattern of trends. That type of thinking applies to the music industry. The goal of a producer... And really any creative, as it should be in my opinion. But the goal of any producer is to not make something that sounds like today. But to make something that sounds like six months from now. And the reason is, when you do a song, typically, it doesn't see the light of day for another six months. If I make something that sounds like it should be out today, by the time it comes out, it's going to be six months old. It's going to be dated. I think working in AI and having a thought towards being able to predict patterns and changes and trends. And thinking in that way has really helped me in applying that to the music industry specifically. So yes, I do believe that AI is gonna help shape music in the future. I'm looking forward to it because I think the more tools we have, the more creative we tend to be, right? Imagine what music sounded like before somebody accidentally distorted an electric guitar. And then someone distorted an electric guitar and, you know, that form of rock music was born. So I absolutely am looking forward to what the future looks like in that regard.
1: Oak, this is such a moment when we're talking to you. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin has just been convicted in the killing of George Floyd. And it's a death that's had a profound effect on society it just made us think about this connection between culture and music and how intertwined they are and sort of what comes first. And you did speak a bit about how you really have to create for six months from now. Um, But I just wonder if you could talk about this cultural moment we're in and how you think music will pick up on that cultural moment or advance it.
2: Music to me is... It's a soundtrack for for the life we live, right? It's a soundtrack for reality. You think about all of the civil turmoil in the 1960s and the 70s. And then you think about all the amazing music that came out of that. Music is literally just the voice of the people, right? And so what I love about the music that's being made today is that it is coupled With the messaging that you get, especially via social media. Because think about it. Imagine when Marvin Gaye released What's Going On. Imagine if he had had a Twitter account back then. Imagine if you were able to get specific thoughts from him that mirrored some of the thoughts in that music and provided additional context. I think in 30 to 40 years, when people look back at this moment, It'll be in such a high resolution. And the best thing about recording history is attempting to not repeat it. And the clearer and sharper the resolution is on the messaging that comes out from things that happen today, hopefully the easier it'll be in the future for us to not repeat that history. And so I think music provides a portion of that messaging. But I really love that there's this addendum to it via social media that allows us to really understand the context and 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 i love that i absolutely love that and there is music that comes out because it has to come out right now there are artists that i've been talking to over the last day or two who have said to me hey man we got to do something now and we got to put it out now and that's not thinking in terms of six months from now thinking in terms of six months from now is really more of a commercial thought process how can you create something that's edgy and forward facing. But damn it, sometimes you just kinda talk about right now. And yeah. and that's okay too. I think in 30 to 40 years, when we turn around and we look at this moment, I think the music creators, I think they'll be able to stand proud at what they've created and what they've helped accomplished, and probably will be continuing to help accomplish by that point. It makes me really hopeful for the future. It really does. And I really believe that as dark as things are right now, music reminds us that there is a light, right? And, you know, eventually we'll reach it. And then there'll be another tunnel that we have to go through. And then we'll reach the light after that one. And that's just how it works. It's my fault, and it is, but it is what it is. yeah, it gets worse with time.
1: Oak Felder oh, will be at this year's Future of Everything Festival, which me, is taking place yeah. online May eleventh oh, through May thirteenth. Felder will be co-leading a workshop called Master a Beat, together with singer-songwriter Sebastian Cole. They'll share tech secrets and shine a light on the creative process behind some of their hits. Tickets to participate in the workshop are sold out, but anyone with a festival pass can listen in. You can check out the full speaker lineup and get more details at foefestival.wsj.com. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Lee Camping-Carter is digital editor of The Future of Everything. Special thanks this week to Ellie Austin from our live journalism team and, of course, to Oak Felder. Our fact checker is Maddie Bender. Our sound designer is Sarah gilbal Our producer is Casey Georgie. Kateri Yocum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. And I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening.